This is Plant-Based Briefing. Join us to end speciesism and derogatory definitions and speciesist slurs, Language Matters, by PETA.org. I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles on topics related to plant-based and vegan living with permission in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. Today's article is from PETA, or People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. They were founded in 1980, and they're the largest animal rights organization in the world. They believe that animals have rights and deserve to have their best interests taken into consideration, regardless of whether they're useful to humans. And like you, they're capable of suffering and have an interest in leading their own lives. They oppose speciesism, a human supremacist worldview, and focus their attention on the four areas in which the largest number of animals suffer the most intensely for the longest periods of time in laboratories, in the food industry, in the clothing trade, and the entertainment business. They also work on a variety of other issues, including the cruel killing of rodents, birds, and other animals who are often considered pests, as well as cruelty to domesticated animals. Today's articles are actually from PETA's Australia division, and now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Join us to end speciesism and derogatory definitions and speciesist slurs, Language Matters, both by PETA.org. Join us to end speciesism. Speciesism, prejudice or discrimination based on species. Speciesism, like sexism, racism, and other forms of discrimination, is an oppressive belief system in which those with power draw boundaries to justify exploiting or excluding their fellow beings who are less powerful. A human supremacist line of quote-unquote reasoning is used to defend treating other living, feeling beings like research tools, fabric, toys, or even food ingredients, even though they share our capacity for pain, hunger, fear, thirst, love, joy, and loneliness, and have as much interest in freedom and staying alive as humans do. Non-human animals are not objects that belong to us. They're individuals with their own interests, just like us. Addressing speciesism and acknowledging other animals' rights can be as simple as respecting their needs or leaving them in peace. Many humans grow up thinking of themselves as entirely different from and superior to other animals, which lays the foundation for exploiting them. From childhood, most humans are conditioned to view certain species as worthy of care and compassion, and others as less important or unworthy, based on arbitrary preferences. This toxic view also leads people to draw groundless distinctions between animal species based on their perceived usefulness to humans. Consider the following examples. Animals are often referred to as property. Many humans call themselves an animal's owner and refer to the animal as it, as if he or she were an inanimate object like a table or chair. Most humans wouldn't dream of keeping their dog in a cramped, crowded warehouse on a slab of filthy concrete, which is the way pigs are treated in the food industry, even though pigs are able to experience the same pain, joy, fear, and misery that dogs can. Some people wear coats trimmed with fur from coyotes or stuffed with feathers pulled from a screaming goose, but most of them would never consider tearing fistfuls of fur out of a crying kitten's back with their own hands. Many people judge other cultures for eating dogs or poaching wildlife while willfully turning a blind eye to their own cruel habits, as if eating other animals or hunting deer were any different. Bottom line, because of speciesism, we learn to ignore our own conscience, which tells us that it's wrong to mistreat others. 
We convince ourselves that we have the right to imprison animals in laboratories, experiment on them, and kill them. We tell ourselves that it's okay to eat ice cream made from cow's milk without recognizing that a few moments of satisfaction can't outweigh a mother cow's right to nurse and care for her calf. We steal sheep's wool for sweaters and scarves and ducks' feathers for jackets or pillows. Profiteers remove orcas and dolphins from their ocean homes and keep them in concrete tanks for quote-unquote entertainment. And the enjoyment that someone may get from casting a baited hook into the water to catch fish can't matter more than the pain inflicted on them when they're pierced through the lip and yanked into an environment in which they can't breathe. It's speciesist to believe that the differences between humans and other animals are enough to warrant torturing and killing those we don't relate to. It's speciesist to think that we are superior and therefore somehow justified in raping, caging, and mutilating animals who don't look exactly like us. It's speciesist to exploit others because we don't understand them fully or at all, to assume that they're not as intelligent as we are when we measure their intelligence in human terms, and to dismiss their suffering because it benefits us. We are alike in the ways that matter most. Whether we have feathers or fur, skin or scales, we're all able to experience complex feelings such as love, sadness, pain, and joy, and we all have a will to live. These qualities are not unique to humans. Consider these examples. Elephants and chimpanzees will mourn and shed tears if a member of their family dies. Mother cows will walk for miles to find their stolen babies. Many orcas stay with their families for life in the oceans. Rats willingly put themselves in harm's way to save others. Fish like physical contact with other fish and often gently rub against one another in the same way that a cat weaves in and out of your legs. We know now that animals can all reason, they all have forms of communication, they figure things out that we can only wonder at, and they certainly suffer greatly at human hands. Working to end speciesism means considering the impact of your actions and words on animals in your everyday life and working to eliminate any harm to them. Show your support for animal rights via Twitter and Instagram by posting some of the following messages or creating your own using the hashtag #EndSpeciesism. For example, I'm helping end speciesism by only buying products not tested on animals. I'm helping end speciesism by not going to horse races. I'm helping end speciesism by being vegan. I'm helping end speciesism by not wearing fur. I'm helping end speciesism by not calling animals it. And I'm helping end speciesism by giving animals consideration in all that I do. And lastly, Sign our Pledge to End Speciesism linked here, which says, I want to help end speciesism by pledging to recognize that animals are not ours to use or abuse, and that all living, feeling beings deserve to be treated with respect and compassion. By signing my name, I pledge to consider animals' role in what I buy, eat, wear, and do, and to reject anything that causes them harm. Derogatory definitions and speciesist slurs, language matters. The words we use have the power to create a more inclusive world or to perpetuate oppression. Maybe you've heard that PETA doesn't want people to use animals as insults or as asking folks to start bringing home the bagels instead of the bacon. Judging by some of the reactions to this, you'd think we had opened a can of worms or a Pandora's box. So let us explain. Violent and inaccurate language. Most of us grew up hearing phrases that condone violence towards animals. Sayings such as, kill two birds with one stone, 
beat a dead horse, and more than one way to skin a cat, all normalize violent acts against some of the most defenseless members of our society. Similarly, animals are used to describe undesirable human characteristics. A pig is a repulsive person, and to call someone a dog is to imply that they're worthless or contemptible. This type of language reinforces the myth that humans are superior to other animals, otherwise known as speciesism, and therefore justified in using and abusing them. It's also grossly inaccurate. For instance, pigs are intelligent and capable of showing empathy when other pigs are in distress, and dogs are loyal companions. Words matter. Don't be silly, PETA. Animals don't speak English. We get that a lot, but that's not the issue. Talking about animals in a certain way changes the way we think about them. Bringing home the bacon means that a mother pig was confined to a farrowing crate and her babies were forced into gas chambers at a slaughterhouse. Wouldn't you rather bring home some bagels instead? Words have the power to create a more inclusive world or to normalize violence. Just as our society is working to identify and eliminate racist, homophobic, and ableist language— Along with the prejudices that usually accompany it, we also encourage people to address pervasive speciesism and the ways it shows up in language. For example, instead of chicken, say coward. Instead of rat, say snitch. Instead of snake, say jerk. Instead of pig, repulsive. Instead of sloth, lazy. And regarding phrases, instead of kill two birds with one stone, say feed two birds with one scone. Instead of be the guinea pig, say be the test tube. Instead of beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse. Instead of bring home the bacon, bring home the bagels. And instead of take the bull by the horns, take the flower by the thorns. Changing speciesist language. Not sure if you can identify speciesist phrases and come up with alternatives to them? Don't sweat it. Check out this list of animal-friendly idioms linked here to get you started. Of course, all of us at PETA will still let sleeping dogs lie, not hurt a fly, watch animal abusers like hawks, and talk about the elephant in the room who belongs with her matriarchal herd. Those expressions are animal-friendly. You just listened to Join Us to End Speciesism and Derogatory Definitions in Speciesist Slurs, Language Matters, both from PETA.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and I'll put a link in the show notes to PETA's complete list of animal-friendly idioms. It's a huge list with things that I hadn't even thought about as being not animal-friendly. And back in 2018, PETA tweeted some of these idioms, and it went viral. It made the news, people were talking about it, making fun of it. If you just Google that, you'll find the ridiculous responses of people making fun of this. They're obviously defensive, and I didn't even know any of this was going on. This was before any of this was on my radar. But it makes me realize how far we've come in other areas. I have a brother who is developmentally disabled or intellectually challenged, however you want to word it, in an appropriate way. But I would be completely offended if someone used the ancient term retard. Language really does matter, so please share this episode to help educate people about speciesism and appropriate and inappropriate language. And thanks for listening.